0: You don't look any really different. I wished. I wished. It's so strange for me because I was 11 when you joined me, Wool. Right.
1: Well, so I, was, yeah, I mean, obviously I was working stuff out. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, when I see the photograph, my first photograph of like the, you know, the team picture day. Yeah. <clears throat> and at that point I'm about to become a father and, and I look at myself and I'm, I'm 24, but I must, I look about 10. <laughs> This little cheeky little fringe thing going on, where all the all the kids have got on now, with the honestly, it's ridiculous. When I see the first, when I see the first like team photograph, like individual one from, um, you know, putting <clears throat> putting the lions
0: kit on, it's a it's, a, it's just ridiculous, it's ridiculous. Yeah. How young I look. You got like, you got a little bit of a cool going on later on as well, you? <laughs> a little bit of a slick back. I've had to be fair.
1: I've had all sorts over the years. When I was at Forest, there was a kid who did the program, uh. And he said, how would you feel about me putting like a, because obviously at the time I was the captain, he said, how would you feel about putting a montage of all your different hairstyles? I went, don't you ever dare even think about it because there were some <laughs> rascals. <laughs> oh, there you go, there you go. You're following a fashion nut.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've, had, some, I've had some bad ones down the years. So I'm just glad to be clinging on to it now. I, yeah, but the, I,
1: I always say the one, the one thing I'm always glad for when you see some of the lads who I played with and, and to be fair, I've been doing. I've been. I've been doing some work with uh, with Paul Ince and Alec Ray, and obviously Alex Alex challenged. So, uh, so uh, <laughs> all, I, all I would say is exactly what you said. I'm glad to still have some at my age. Do you know what I
0: mean? I was with them the other day, Paul Ince and Alex Ray. I was doing. Um... Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I've been doing. Um, obviously, when Ince took over in the caretaker role, um, <laughs> as you do, I just sent him a message, wished them all the best, and then. He just said, well, what are you doing? I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this work for the agency since I came back from China, which I was away for like nearly two years. Um, and I'd just become a grandfather. So I said, you know, the agency work gives me a bit more flexibility on the diary. And he said, well, do you not want to come down with me and Alex? And I said, listen, I, c- I can't commit full time. I said, I'm up here. Um, obviously, you are where you are. I said, you know, I'd love to help in any way, shape or form I can. Um, I said, but for what you and Alex are going to be doing, I can't, I can't do that because, you know, I promised these guys at the agency, uh, we'd just merged with another another agency. And I just said, <clears throat> you know, I need to be out and about watching games and supporting the clients. And uh-huh. so I had a word with the, uh, I had a word with, because we just joined. Remember John Regis, the Olympic sprinter?
0: Yeah, I do. Big, powerfully built one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway. John
1: has a company called Astra. Uh, I was working for another company when I came back from China. And Astra had split away from uh they, they used to be with another agency called Stella, which is a huge organization. Yeah. Um, they'd pulled away from Stella and and John and his ex-wife, uh, Jennifer had set up Astra partners. Um uh but they obviously they're purely athletics. <clears throat> and through a friend of a friend, they said, we're looking to start up a, a football division. So the guys who I was working with a company called the Sports Agents, um Again, just through a connection of a connection. They just said, Would you be interested? So, yeah, so that's only, only got, I mean, it's only just been launched on LinkedIn today. We've I mean, we've been, we've probably merged maybe about a month, but it's only just been officially launched on LinkedIn today. So, so basically, again, you know, I had, I, t- I had to have that commitment. I promised John and Jennifer. Um, but then I said what I said to Paul and to Alec I said, Listen, if, if you want anything, I can, I can, I could do a day a week, but unfortunately that's all I could do so so to be fair for the last eight weeks I've been going down for a day a week just doing some work with them on the training ground which was great um because I haven't been doing any coaching since since I left uh since I left China really so it was nice to do a bit of that nice to reconnect with N C and Alec um and and thankfully um thankfully that you know the eight eight weeks in and two weeks to go you know they've got the job done that they went in to do which is to Mm. keep them up and and hopefully you know they can whatever they decide to do moving forward, they can start planning and uh, putting things in place. But no, it's been, it's been good. Good Two good people, Alex. Yeah. I mean, Alex, funny. I mean, he, he hasn't changed, has he, over the years, huh? He hasn't other than, changed. Other than
0: the loss of the barnet, yeah. Like, the- <laughs> funny enough, I work for a PR and management company called Roth Limits Entertainment. And my boss, right. it's his agent. Oh, is it right? Yes. Got you. And we was doing something with um, Select Car Leasing. Got you, yeah. Our... Our, um, my boss also is Judd Trump's agent and he's spotted the oh, yeah, select. Yes. So we, we got together. And it was uh, Judd versus Paul Wintz for like a, a snooker match sort of thing. Yes, I did hear about it. And Alex has just rocked up and he's spotting the balls. Alex putting the colours back on. I'm like, what is going on here? But we've just started. Um, I'm head of content production, but we they've just started a, 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 a football agent side. We just signed Jermaine Defoe today. Oh, bloody hell. Wow. Yeah. Well done. We do ex sports stars, but we also, we're venturing into. Like current players now as well. So,
1: yeah. So, what do you mean to, to kind of on for the entertainment circuit, if you like?
0: So, no, well, we already did that, but now they're going into what like professional football as well, and getting them contracts with oh, clubs because my boss used to be a football agent for years, Jimmy Irwin, his name was. Right. Um. So, yes, So uh, doing a similar sort of thing by the sound of it. Uh, listen, it's, it's, it's very different for me, not something I ever saw
1: myself doing, but as I say, I've spoken to the guys two years ago when I, I mean, literally just after I'd agreed to do the Chinese thing, when I came out of the affair, um, and I said to them, listen, uh, I knew I was going to come back last June because I, I knew that, um, my daughter was expecting in August. So I needed to be back in the country. Mm. There was a good cut-off point with the Chinese because we just qualified for the next round of the Asian qualifying for the world cup. And then there was obviously September, October, November, December. Um, but I said, you know, I need to be back in the UK <clears throat> by the end of June, July, the latest. Um, of course. So I came back, I came back in June, um, like I said, became, became a grandfather. And then I just reconnected with the lads from the agency. They said, you know, I, do, do you still want to come on board? So we sat down and had a chat and I said, you know, for the, for the, because I'd been away this last stint, I'd been away 10 months without being able to get home because of COVID and visas and etc mm. so I just said well this gives me a bit more flexibility I get to see my girls I get to see my granddaughter um and you know still get out and watch football still speak to coaches managers etc etc which I've done and yes yeah, so, so it was familiar to kind of just give me a good opportunity to have a bit of time for me <coughs> for myself but also reconnect with all the lads I know in football and as I say you know and, and then it was the extra thing with within seeing Alec was just was just a nice little, a nice little difference, mm. um, and as I say, thankfully, you know, the work that we've done, you know, as, as poor as Reading have been, unfortunately, it's, it's just been enough to get, get us over the line, you know. And, the, you know, the 12 games since Alec and Paul went in, you know, they've, they've managed to win four, lose five and, and, and draw a couple. So, you know, they've done the job that we went in to do, which is brilliant. And it's nice to have been, you know, even just a small part of that, you know.
0: Yeah, it's just mad, you know, how just staying in touch with people and having a chat and open doors, can't it? Yeah well it was just one
1: of those like I said me and Inti, uh, because we um you know Inti came to Middlesbrough for a spell towards the end of his career and we just you know we just had a connection you know um obviously from when I was down south you know I um, I had a, I had a, I had a little connection with with Ian Wright Les Ferdinand um and Inty was you know they they're really close anyway so I don't know it just seemed really natural and Inty and I've just kept in touch randomly over the years um doing our various things and then uh, yeah it was just it was just a message of good luck it was simple as that and then he said well why don't you come down um because obviously the work I was doing at the FA was 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 leading the out of possession thing Reading had conceded a silly amount of goals and he just said we need we need to put some structure into the team so so that's what we did we set off and just give them a bit of structure um and as I say thankfully we've uh, got the job done with a couple of weeks to go and just hope for, I just hope that they don't go flat and, and lose the last two because they, I went to watch them on Saturday against Hull and they weren't very good so um you know in the concession of course they were okay going forward which they've been all season they can score but when possession turns over they, they they're pretty poor so i just i just hope that even though the job's done they've got a home game on saturday against west prom i just hope they get something out of that and then if they get battered at luton on the final day of the season well that's that's fair enough but i just hope for the home fans they get something on saturday you know
0: yeah, wasn't they 4-1 down Like, against Swansea, come back
1: 4-4? Yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, yeah, because I'm like, you know, I've been to some of the games and sometimes I have to go and watch my clients. So, I, you know, I said to Incy from, from day one, I won't be able to get to all the games. Certainly can't be involved in what you and Alec are doing. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I've been to watch a game, uh, a, a youth game on the morning, came back and watched that and then watching, watching it unfold, going to goal up and then 2-1 down. Three, one down, four one down, you just won. And I said to Inti and Alec, after the game, I feared for a six or a seven. And to be fair, so did they. But then as soon as Thomas scored, you could just feel the momentum shift in the game. And Swansea yeah. went and and Redding got got the tails up and it ends up with a four-four. But as a as a coach who's uh, who's trying to stop them conceding goals, it's not something I want to see. Do you know what I mean? And the do like I say, the three and the three that they conceded on Saturday, I'm sat there next to uh, Next to Insy's wife Claire, and I'm just saying this. This is not what I want to see. but yeah. hey, like I said, job's done. So that's that's the most important thing for the for Reading anyway.
0: We played um, we played Swansea the other week at home, with Millwall, and they popped it really nice. We 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 pressed them and it played into yeah. their hands really because they just sharp and just missing us out. Beat the press and then they're in. You know what I mean? They just deserved winners that night.
1: I have to say, I mean, I know, I know the, the championship is ridiculous, eh? But I have to, I have to say that when. Um, one of the first games I saw was obviously when Millwall came to Reading. Um, and, you know, it was only a one niller. But I said, <clears throat> I said, I said to Inti and Alec after the game, obviously with the connection, I, I just said, I thought, if nothing else, Millwall are probably the most organised and toughest team to beat in the league. And they defend the goal really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, I know it's... Uh, all nip and tuck, isn't it? So let's, let's, uh, you know, hopefully, there's uh, there's still something at the end of the season, as tough as it might be.
0: Yeah, well, listen, mate, we haven't we haven't officially started yet. I usually yeah, do an cool. introduction, sorry, but um, yeah, but just talk about you know, you come into Millwall, you can time at Millwall, then I usually, you know, the players usually leave their contract runs out, but you've obviously gone on to to uh, bigger things and a great career, so we'll just go through if that's all right. We've got about an hour, oh yeah, absolutely, no problem. Thank you, mate. Okay, so do a, a little intro and then we're, we're, we're away. Cool. Okay, so we're going to go in three, two, one. Lions Lounge Lockdown, Episode Fifty Seven. Colin Cooper. Colin, thanks for joining us, mate. Absolute pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure. Pleasure to be here. Nailed you down
1: in the end. Took me a while. <laughs> yeah, we we have been trying a little while to be fair, haven't we? But uh, yeah, but thankfully you've 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 managed to nail me down, and that's the most important thing.
0: Yes, it's a, it's an interesting one because widely regarded even to this day i do videos sometimes about you know tell people tell me your best 11 and literally everyone puts you in it as as you know an all-time meal great in the in your position um you wasn't at the club for two years 1991 to 1993 Mm. 77 games six goals bit of a goal scoring center back wouldn't you
1: well to be fair i had i had this conversation with someone the other day um about goal setting and targets and you know, when I, was a, when I was a fullback, for instance, when I came, obviously came from Middlesbrough and I was a fullback originally when Bruce was manager, mm. um, there was nothing nothing in them lines. But it was literally when, when, when Mick, you know, it was big, big Mick McCarthy who, who, who kind of turned me into a centre-back for the second time in my career because I'd been, I'd been asked to play as a kind of centre-half stroke sweeper when I was, what, 18, 19 under a former manager at Middlesbrough, Willie Madren who sadly uh, sadly, no longer with us, um, he tried to mould me into a centre-half sweep, But, you know, I wasn't the tallest, not the biggest. Um, but to be fair to Big Mick, um, Big Mick said to me on the day that he got the job that uh, he said, listen, you know, I, I can't play. Obviously, we've got Rhino, we've got people like Alan Mac, uh, Alan McCleary, he said, but I need someone who, who I know can defend, uh, who I know can, is brave, who I know can do what I want him to do. And he said, on the back of that, he said, I want to put Ian indoors back in, the, back in the team as a left-back. So so basically, I think when you look at it logically, basically Mick was just saying, this is, this is, this is you in the team, or you're not in the team, if you like. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, and also, because he came, you know, originally when when Bruce brought him in, you know, he came as a player. So basically, when he gets the job, you're helping a mate. You know, at the end of the day, you're you people in the dressing room. And when Mick said to me, I need you to play centre back, and I said, "Listen, you're my mate. I'll do anything I possibly can to help you." And yeah, and and thankfully, it, it
0: worked for all of us. Yeah, similar story. I think Alex Ray said to me that he wanted him to play right side of the diamond. That he said, "No, nah, no," nah. and he said, "Not playing there." No, he said, all right, "No worries." Being dropped. And he, yeah. six days later, Alex went, "Yeah, right, I'll play on the right side of the diamond." <laughs> well, yeah, and,
1: and and as we were talking before we started, you know, I've spent a bit of time with Alex recently, and and yeah. Alex obviously has some amazing memories of his time at the Den and, and obviously he was there before me and, and, and kind of there after me but, yeah. you know, if you think of, you know, if you think about the youth team that Tom Wally had around that time and you think about some of the players that were in the football club at the time, you know, Millwall have a lot, you know, and, and players who were before me who, who had fabulous careers, you know, the, the ones that you don't even need to mention, you know, the likes of Cass and, and Ted, Teddy Sheringham and people, fabulous football careers and the club has to, take an awful lot of credit and especially if you look back at that youth team in particular under Tom Wally and you've got people like Ben Thatcher, Andy Roberts, Kenny Cunningham, and you can, you know, it's mm. they produced some wonderful players down the years. And
0: Definitely. and yeah,
1: so I think uh, you know everyone everyone outside of the club has the perception of Millwall. But I think we all we all know the real Millwall inside is is a club who yeah you, you've got to wear your heart in your sleeve you've got to you've got to prove that you're worthy you're wearing the badge. But also, the people want to see you try and play decent football. And, mm-hmm. and to be able to play decent football, you've got to, you've got to have had some, some background of, of, of decent coaching in order to be able to handle the football. And, and as I say, some of the players that were in the club previous and some of the players that came around the same time who were younger and then went on and had careers, some fabulous players coming through the football club.
0: Yeah, you said to me there, you answered one of my questions. Because I of remember you as I was 11 when you came to the club. so. I actually thought he was left-footed, but I've seen some goals you scored today. definitely right-footed. <laughs> but was you a full-back? Was you turned into a centre-back? You, you to me, I remember, was a, not just blowing your trumpet because you're on the show, like a new age, like what we get now of a centre-back. You could play as well. Yeah, well, listen, at, at the end of
1: the day, um, I know that there's many, many stories, but as a kid, at the, 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 the age that you would saying that, you know, when I came down there, the age you were, I was a centre-midfield player. So, right. you know, I used to see myself as, yeah, I was I was I was I used to see myself as a goal scoring centre midfield player box to box. Um, you know, when I played for um the school and the, the the district and the county as we have up north, everything, you know, I was I was I was centre midfield player alongside Paul Gaskine for Durham County. So so it was like, yeah, yeah, because we, we were the same age, we played in the same teams when we were kids. Um so yeah, so yeah, so that that's what I was. So when Fast forward to when uh, Bruce Riott came to Middles as a coach under the aforementioned Willie Madron. Um, when Middles went into liquidation, basically we had we had thirteen players. So all Bruce, uh, Bruce and Colin Todd tried to do is just mold the team. So I had a I had a competition with a guy called Gary Gill uh, to play centre midfield in that team. He won the competition. The position that was left, uh, yeah, that's that's how life goes. The position that was left, and Bruce Riott. And Colin Todd helped me enormously through them, through them early years. Um, was was left fullback, and you're right, I am. I'm absolutely ninety percent uh, right footed, and you know I can I can swing the lead from time to time. But um, yeah, I had, to, I had a lot of help um, from from Colin Todd in particular. Bruce Leo took me under my wing, under his wing, and uh, and yeah, and molded me into. They knew I could handle football. They knew I could run. They knew I could jump. They knew I could defend. It was just a case of turning a central midfield player into a, de- a right-footed left-back, if you like. And yeah. yeah, and as you say, if you think about some of the ones down the years, it's it has certain advantages. You know, when you're defending, you're always defending on your strong side, as in crosses coming from the opposite side. it's always on your right foot, obviously trying to help the attack. That's that's when you found out a little bit as I as I was over the years. But yeah, so. The, the switch in itself wasn't so drastic because, um, because yeah, I think you know the things, as I, as I spoke earlier, the things that Big Mick, when he took the job, saw in me as a person were, okay, I'm not the size of Big Mick, I'm not the frame of Big Mick, but he knew I could handle the ball, he knew I was prepared to put my body on the line, he knew I could jump and he knew I could play. So I think when he asked me to play a centre-back when he first got the job, it was a case of, listen... This is something new for you. You're you're coming out of our dressing room, with mates, and we'll all we'll always do something to help our mates. So yeah, and it, it luckily I have to. And it, it, there always is a sense of, you know, things can go really well or they can go really wrong. And I have to say, for the rest of my career, I have to say it was a genius move, and I've you know that that was it from that point on. I played in midfield a few times when I was at Forest. I pushed one up, um, but primarily, you know, the, the career that I had. Um When Mick put me in the team as a centre back, and then from there on for the next X amount of years, well, twelve years, you know, I was a centre back. So, so yeah, it, it's amazing how these little things happen in football.
0: Yeah, definitely paid dividends as well, didn't it? Moving on, yeah, but for sure. I know it's um, I know it's a all Podcast, but it will be absolutely criminal of me if I didn't ask you about Gaz and what he was like.
1: Amazing. Uh, listen, I've I've just you know I've I've watched the the, the documentary that's been on TV. Um the, the things that I always say about Paul are, as I say, um, I, I know what he went through as a kid, um, you know, with, with some, some tragedies, you know, because uh, one of the guys who I was an apprentice with at Middlesbrough was his best mate. Right. And, you know, there's a story about <clears throat> one of Gaza's best mates, his little brother getting hit by a car when, when Gazza was only 11. Right. Um, and that that Gaz's best mate was a guy called Keith Spraggon, and Keith Spraggon was an apprentice at Middlesbrough with me, so I know I know about that. We played we played um, we played uh, county football together because Gaz was born in Gateshead, not in Newcastle. So Gateshead is in County Durham, not in Tynum Weir. So we played for the same county team, and then you know many times you know he was obviously at Newcastle, I was at Middlesbrough, so there was a bit of. Rivalry than when uh, when Gaza went to Tottenham and, and and obviously skyrocketed through the roof. I the things I'll always say about Paul are he was by far head and shoulders the best player of my generation mm-hmm. and 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 I, I'll never I'll never take that back. One of the kindest guys I've ever met in my life. If you wanted a pound and he had a pound, you would get the pound and he wouldn't have a pound. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other stuff, some of the stuff that, you know, is talked about and, and rightly so is that basically he would do anything for a laugh, anything, <laughs> anything. I mean, and like, even, even when he came, he came back, he came to Middlesbrough a spell. When I went back to Middles when I was 31, Paul came back and, you know, even some of the, some of the things is it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous what he would do just to, just to get people to have a laugh and a giggle and, and, and make other people laugh. And, you know, the, We all, we all have, we all have flaws. We all have things. Um, But again, you know, my, my, the the things I would always say about him is absolute genius. And again, watching the documentary and you, you put that into perspective of modern day football, Mm. geniuses can slot into anything. He would be an absolute superstar right now because of, because of what he could do with the football. You talk about people who can, you know, when you people, when a lot of teams are trying to beat a low block, if you like, and having the ability to, to go past someone to break a line instead of, you know, we see a lot of tick-tack passing and et cetera, et cetera. Guys, had an unbelievable un, un ability just to drop his shoulder and go past people strong, quick, could create, could score. He could fit into any generation. So mm-hmm. you're right. Um, some of the things he would do would, would certainly be a little bit over the edge for me as a person, but hey,
2: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: You know, I hold my hands up and I say, you know, there's times when he's had me in stitches. There's times when when you're kind of going, oh, really? But the (laughs) the other times are absolute genius with a football and an absolute gentleman.
0: Brilliant. That's that's, that's the main thing, mate. Um, So you said about Cali Durham. You came through the ranks. You came through the ranks at Middlesbrough. Was you a borough fan? That's what I was going to ask you. Well, yeah, strange.
1: Um, I wasn't, uh, is the honest truth. Um, all of my family. My grandfather was a scout for Sunderland. And my father didn't play professionally, but he played. Uh, he played kind of amateur league up in the northeast.
0: Hmm. My dad
1: was a, a coal miner, so he, you know he had a lot of hours he had to <laughs> work before he had a chance to do anything else. So, not all of my family was Sunderland. Um, my best mate, my best mate, my best man is a huge, huge sonland fan. It's, it's one of those. Um, back in the old days when you signed for a club when you were 13 as, a, as an associated schoolboy, um, I had a choice. Um, you know, my parents didn't pressure me. You know, I had a choice to come south. I had a choice to go um, west. Um, I had a choice to stay in the northeast with the northeast teams, uh, all three of them. And basically, the, the honest answer is... Even going back to that point, um, Middlesbrough had a reputation of giving young players an opportunity. Um, yeah. So even at 13, when the, and the guy who scouted me for Middlesbrough, who I still speak to now, as, as, you, as you tend to do, you know he's 92 years of age now, and I only, I only had a phone call with him maybe a couple of months ago. Um, it was one of those that <clears throat> he sat with my mum and dad, um, and the club just had a feel. It had a feel. Um, my best mate slaughtered me, obviously, because he was a massive Sunland fan, um, and thankfully for him, and I, I mean, I mean this in a genuine way. When I was thirty-seven, I spent and Big Mick was it Sunland as the manager. Right. Big Mick asked me to go up to Sunland um, on loan, so uh, so I eventually did wear the Sunland shirt and uh, and got my name on the back, and and obviously that went to my best mate, my best man. So he was. He said, after, uh, after 25 years of waiting, I finally get to see you in a Sunderland shirt. So, but yeah, that, that, that's basically it. Middlesbrough yeah. had a reputation for giving young players an opportunity. So I signed for Middlesbrough when I was 13, then went on a YTS ski when I was 16, um, signed professional contract at 17. And as I mentioned, Willie Madron before, he was my youth team coach, became the first team manager. And he kind of gave me an opportunity and, and, and obviously one that I'd always be grateful
0: for. Definitely, mate, definitely. And then, obviously, you move south eventually, 1991. Um, I'm, t- I'm taking, obviously, that was the Bruce Riott connection brought you down south. Three hundred. Yeah, well, listen. A lot of money then. Yeah, well, listen, at the end of the day, there's, there's certain things happen.
1: When my career was, with you know, getting into the first team at 17, 18, 19, establishing Middlesbrough, having a really good spell, a good couple of years, two promotions in two years, up to what is now, obviously, the Premier League back then, the first division. Um and being noticed, even though, you know, again, we go back to the scenario, I was a central midfield player playing as a left back, but you know, you get some nice things. I got into the England under 21 setup um, with Dave Sexton. And yeah, everything was, everything was flying. Everything was going nice. Um, then I broke a bone in my foot, which wouldn't heal. Um, I tried to play with it for the best part of six months, the season that Middlesbrough got relegated out of the first division. Um Tried to tried to plow on within you know as we did back in them days with injection after injection after injection, eventually caught up with me, um, and that that niggled with me for probably about a year. Mm. Even though I got back, you know, I, I healed, I got back playing, it would reiterate it. I would start getting in pain again. My form started dipping. So, um, so in 1991, the the honest scenario is we just we just saved we've just saved ourselves from being relegated for, you know, we got promotion, promotion at Middlesbrough. Then we got relegated on the very last day of the season or two, two Saturdays before the end of the season in, uh, in, nine, you know, the season of 1991. Yeah. We basically saved ourselves. We beat Newcastle 4-1 on, on, on the, I think the last Saturday of the season or the season or the week before. And, and in that summer I was due to get married. Um, and I knew hand on heart, that my football career had leveled off. It wasn't doing that anymore. It had leveled off and it was starting to dip. Yeah. So in that summer, I was getting married. And basically, Bruce got into me and he just said, listen, why don't, why don't you come with me? He said, you know what I think about you? Come down, play, enjoy your football again. You've just been married. It'll be a new start for you and your wife. Um, so, you know, having had the discussions with everybody, we said, well, why not? um And you're right, you know it, even even though my career was 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 dipping, that's a fact um, everything became very fresh, excitable again, and you know in, in all fairness, I remember when I came down, I think it was in the uh, in the fanzine or it might have even been in the South London press, you know some people saying, you know we paid three hundred thousand for this guy, um you know, having' seen him play a few times, you know over over a year or two, we might get half a million quid back um so to be fair, I think. You know, it was, it, was a, it was a decent gamble from Bruce, really, because like mm-hmm. you say, 300 grand wasn't to be sniffed at back in them days. No. Um, and even though it didn't quite work out for me and Bruce in that initial spell when I came down, um, thankfully, um, you know, Bruce went on and, and, and obviously forged his career. Um, you know, we had a decent spell, just fell short in that second year. You know, we finished seventh with Mick as the manager. Um, and yeah, it, it, like I say, it then... The career went again, which was amazing because mm. I was, you know, you, you're then getting into the realms of 25, 26. And really, you know, it's like everyone says at, at that point, you're supposed to be in your prime. Um, But no, I, and I have to say, you know, Big Mick knows that the summer that I went away on holiday um, and we, me and Mick were in contact because, you know, there was interest from Nottingham Forest. They'd just been relegated, obviously, into the same league. Mm. And Big Mick just said, listen, Colt, he said, I don't want you to leave. I can't afford. I can't afford to give you a new contract of what you're worth, what I genuinely feel is all you're worth. Millwall can't afford to turn the money down that Nottingham Forest are offering. So therefore, my advice to you as a friend and as your manager is that you go and speak to them, and we all we all have to get on with the rest of our careers. And yeah, it was tough. It was tough because you, you people don't realise. You know, we we were quite settled. You know, we we were living just outside of Locksbottom at the time. You know. Um, like I said, we had, we had one daughter and, and one on the way. And, and yeah, you, 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 don't, you don't expect things to happen, but in football they do and they happen pretty quickly. So I was on holiday, I had a conversation with Mick. I ended up having to fly back into England, go and meet Frank Clark and um, his assistant Alan Hill in London and the deal was done. Um, and you know the only thing I would say is that when I, when I remember that article back, About the guy saying, you know, he might be worth might be worth half a million quid in a year or two's time if you know things go well. Well, thankfully, I managed to I managed to get back, you know, managed to get back five times of that for the for the football club. So you can't. uh, So let's hope we all think of it as a win-win. And and the 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 one thing which I always find heartening when I come back and I was I was there recently um, when Middlesbrough played. I came down was with with Horney in the in the lounge upstairs for the Middlesbrough game. Is is the warmth yeah i always I always get the warmth and and the way the millwall fans were when when we lost our little boy and and the the charity matches that we had and and the and like I say whatever whatever people's perceptions of millwall and inverted commerce that ain't the football club the the club and the people who support the football club are warm and all they want all they want for their players is to show that you you give us stuff and you know thankfully uh thankfully as as you as you very kindly said you know I still get a nice reception and I still get some warmth from the people when I come back. And so it's always, it's always a pleasure to come back down.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant, mate. That's brilliant. I was just wondering, I was going to ask you about the transition from north to south. Was it difficult, but maybe it didn't sound like it was. Took to it like oh, I Listen,
1: to... It, I, it, I think it was cost my, you know, I, I was a kid at Middlesbrough 20 minutes from where my parents live um, by car. And yeah, so that becomes the easy thing. The hard thing is, you know, uh, having just been married, convincing, uh, convincing my wife that it, it was a, it was a sensible move. Um, but we, we, we chose, we chose to give it a go. And, um, and as I say, you know, initially we spent six months in a, in a flat in Beckenham, um, and then we moved into a place. Actually, <laughs> we actually moved into a house next door to John McGinley, and I don't think, I don't think McGinn was too happy <laughs> that we kind of moved. I mean, literally. Where was we that? That was not that wasn't well in Welling, was it? it? No, we were in. Uh, we were just we were in
0: a place just outside of Locksbottom, just outside of Bromley. Because um, John
1: McGinley, um,
0: when I was a kid, he used to live on the next road to me in Welling at one point.
1: I think, yeah, because I think then I don't. I, hopefully, it wasn't anything to do with he me moving in out. The door, but yeah, but he, he moved out fairly quickly. So hopefully that move was on the cards for him anyway. But but yeah, so we uh, so yeah, we were like I say, we literally. Um, Lived there and then, uh, and then, as I say, you know, football being football, we've, we'd settled down. Um, like I said, Mick was more than happy to try and get me a new contract, and and I'm hopefully, sorry, we would we'll your contract
0: it. up at this point?
1: Well, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Um, yeah. So it was a case of Mick, you know, again said, I can't get you something that you're of value. Yeah. Um, well, actually, no, my contract probably wouldn't have been up at the time, but Mick. Well, he
0: been before, some, before the Bosman rule.
1: Yeah, saw some value of me. And um, he, he, wanted to, he wanted to try and get me a new deal because he knew there were clubs sniffing around. And, and basically, he just, like I said, you know, when I explained before, it was just an honest, open thing between two mates and, and a player and a manager. And he just said, you know, I can't afford to turn that money down for the football club. Mm. I can't afford to pay you what I genuinely think that I'd wish I could. He said, "So therefore, we we need to we need to do the deal, and, and you need to get the best deal you can moving forward to forest. So it was just, yeah, it's just one of them things that happened. And no, we we you know we we were newly married, we were only young, so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a smooth transition. But for me, yeah, of course, it, I, I go and play football every day. That's that's what I've done since I was a kid. Mm. I would suggest that you know my wife um, my wife would have found it probably harder because you know we were four four hours away from our parents, who were our support. Our support mechanism, if you like, yeah. Um, but yeah, but you know, you kind of get on with things in football, and that's 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 what
0: we do, isn't it? Yeah, it was good. Good to know that you said about Mick because obviously Mick took over from Bruce. Bruce, I'll be honest with you, doesn't get the greatest coverage on here from ex-players that come on because a lot of people no. didn't like him But he signed yourself. He signed some really good players, Paul Kerr. Um, yeah, he signed some uh, Alex Ray, didn't he sign so Alex Ray. Did yeah?
1: No, I think Alex said he came unless
0: unless yeah because obviously Bruce would well, be me anyway. So. He could have done. He could have done. Yeah, he, he signed some really good players, Bruce. Obviously, the season before you came, we missed out narrowly in the playoffs. So he was playing some really good football. But then, yeah, exactly. The season you come, we finished 15th. It didn't really work out for him. No. And that's, you know, well, it, was, it was tough. Yeah. It what, was really what, tough. What, what, you, I mean, it'd be good to hear some positivity because obviously you liked him as a manager. He worked for you, definitely. Yeah, well, listen, I, I think
1: we all accept that. You know, it didn't, like I said, in, in the initial months when I came down, you know, uh, you know, I always, I always try and be open and honest, you know, I wasn't playing, I wasn't playing great, that's for sure, I wasn't, um, and, you know, Bruce had a lot of faith in me, and, and you have people like Ian Dawes, who's a terrific footballer, mm. who was kind of not in the team, because I, I come in, and, and again, that's the switch when, when Big Mick took over, and Bruce took some stick, he took some real flack, you know, back in, you know, them times when it was getting a bit hairy, scary at the old den, and, and yeah, um, again unfortunately yeah see my my respect for bruce will never wane um because we had a really strong relationship at middlesbrough he took a punt on me to come down to millwall um and obviously the staff the staff that we had you know i've worked with steve harrison at, at you know both at middlesbrough at millwall and and very briefly um in the national team the best so great stories on him some great stories. Oh, again so harry harry's an amazing character but again Whatever, whatever the stories may or may not be, I have to say Harry's one of the best coaches I've ever worked. Oh no, yeah, have
0: we've only heard brilliant things. Got great things like he'd fall down the stairs, he top to bottom down the stairs, and but, but that aside, people said he was an unbelievable coach. Listen again, what I would say is that Harry's
1: uh, Harry's dad was an end of the pier performer in Blackpool, so he was a comedian. Oh. So Harry Harry was born in, he was born into entertainment, and he actually maybe should have been a comedian, but as I say, he was a terrific football coach and a terrific man. But yeah, literally. I mean, when you say li- anything, we spoke about we spoke about uh, Gaza. Um, Harry Harry was Harry was hilarious, and when you talk about for dressing room relaxation, for banter, for getting people a bit of togetherness, Steve Harrison is 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 the best. Is the best I've had in, in throughout my career because he's just he has that really good connection with players and 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 the hierarchy. And, and as I say, for, for getting people together, getting people having a laugh, having a joke at the right time, in all fairness. Um, but that was a slightly different thing. So Harry was working really hard and and obviously Bruce was the manager. And my, my relationship with Bruce was very authoritarian, um, you know, going back to Middlesbrough, clean shaven. We always had to, you know, we always had, even though I didn't need to shave when I was 24, um, <laughs> everybody had to be smart, uh, clean yeah. shaven. And and have a, you know, respect and honesty and trust. And so there was a bit of, as, as good of a coach that Harry, I think Bruce found it really difficult that Harry's relaxed side was probably a bit too relaxed for him. Yeah. But it worked and it was working, but it, it just, you know, unfortunately, like, you know, these things happen in football clubs. Yeah. It just wasn't quite working for the club at the time. Um. So they needed a change. Harry had left under a bit of a cloud, which I was... Again, really hard for me because Bruce had made me captain. And obviously there was some really some strong characters in that Millwall dressing at the time. And and that won't have gone down too well, even though you know they were teammates, they would always support. So I had to sit down and have a chat with with um, with Bruce when Harry left the club, just saying I thought it wasn't a good thing to do, to let Harry go. Not only was he a brilliant person, he was a brilliant coach, and we needed we needed that. Bruce saw it a different way so so unfortunately Harry left um, and thankfully went on and had a, a, a fantastic career at other clubs mm. um, and yeah and then very shortly afterwards you know it turned a little bit not great for Bruce but yeah we we still speak I had a conversation with his son Gregor who who's now academy manager at uh, Wigan the other day and and we still have very very you know a very very strong bond uh, and always will do because he, he was always he was very good for me as a as a person and as a player, really. So yeah. Yeah. I can understand yeah. the guys who were at Millwall when Bruce came in and probably tried to put that you know that, that stern kind of authoritarian stamp onto the football yeah, club. Yeah. Probably just rubbed up some people the wrong way, and that happens. Um, but no, great man for me. Great man. Scored some scored a lot of
0: goals
1: as well, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Again, because I know for a fact that you know he, he was he was he was a terrific coach as well, Bruce. Um, yeah. And and I have no doubt in my mind that when he came to Millwall, he would have tried to get Colin Todd on board. Um, and maybe it was just too it was maybe just too far for Toddy. And um, yeah, so when I when I came down here and, and he had Ian McNeil with him and, and obviously Harry was in the building, yeah, it was it was very different. But yeah, it just sometimes it works and sometimes unfortunately it doesn't. But as I say,
0: yeah.
1: in football. Things happen to us all, and we 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 have to get on with it, don't we?
0: Yeah, it's just I think a lot of the time the players can jump on board. And like you said, he went on to do really well. Bowen, which in turn got him the Arsenal job, didn't it? So fair play to. Him. I actually was um, I track. I'm always looking for people online, you know that. So I tracked down his son. <laughs> Before would be nice to get Bruce on the show. I don't know if he'd do that sort of thing, but give his side of the story. Well,
1: listen, I would I would suggest knowing because I've I mean he lives in Cornwall now and 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 lives a very relaxed as you know he's uh, and again he. We, we kind of meet up occasionally at the, uh, you know, we, we did a, a get-together for all of the lads who played for Middlesbrough in 86, 87 when the club went into liquidation. Then we had our double promotion. Because one of the players, a guy called Gary Parkinson, who's actually a year younger than me, um, developed a, a syndrome called locked-in syndrome. So basically, his mind and body are sharp as a tack, but his body doesn't work. Um, not, yeah. And he's been he's been in that state now, I think, for I think about 15 years. Um, so his family, his wife and family are amazing. So we got we got together probably about five years ago, maybe, maybe not as long as that, five years ago. Um, back up in Middlesbrough and Bruce drove up from Cornwall. Because as he always said, there's that the certain point in your life in your career that a certain group of people will have a connection. And that group of players from that time in Middlesbrough will will always have that connection. And 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 I'm sure you know the likes like I say, Alec will speak very fondly, and you know the the reunions that'll happen with certain certain teams at Millwall, you know, under George Graham, etc., etc. cetera, et cetera that, them, yeah. them bonds are never broken between between players, really. So, so yeah, it uh, for me, great man. Um, and you know, I, I wouldn't have a hard word or a bad word said about him, but that was because we had it we had a history before
0: I came to Millwall. No, it's good to hear, mate. Because obviously he was a good manager, and you know, didn't work out for Millwall like you said. But he did have, or clearly, other places. So he must have done something right along the way, you know. Don't work out every single time, but he leaves the club. Um, So that first season for you at the club was nothing really. I mean, I looked down to try and pick something out. Uh, I picked (laughs) out your free kick against Leicester. I don't know if you you must remember; it's an absolute rocket. How are you you convincing the manager to let you on set pieces as as a centre back?
1: I'd scored, I'd scored a few free kicks again in my youth, and 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 again, the one, the one thing that you know. So when Bruce, so when obviously Mick was in the building when Bruce was there. So when Bruce was there, he knows because we spent quite a lot of time on ball striking. Because I, you know, I, I was always um when I was a midfield player back as a kid, I would always, you know, score from long distance. And <clears throat> so Bruce would put me on free kicks, uh, knowing that you know we'd done a lot of work on being able to bend and fade. And so so yeah, so so that ability, that ability thankfully has always been there and you know it, it carried on. It carried on in my career, thankfully, but you know at certain points in your career, you've got to accept that if there's a free kick from somewhere, there's certain people that will take the free kick. so mm. you know I, I could take a free kick from long distance, but for instance, when I moved to Nottingham Forest, there's a certain Mr. Stuart Pierce who says any anytime time the ball's within twenty five yards, you're not getting anywhere near it. <laughs> and I even managed to convince Piercy so so I must have I must have been able to do something okay. So yeah, I would score the odd free kick and and etc, et cetera. so yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, well let's say he, uh, Bruce left, big Mick come in, and then the 92-93 season, you played 41 games, scoring four goals. A few on the telly as well. Yeah.
1: Um, we did. We got a we got a few games. We got a few games that season. I mean, to be fair, we, we played some really good stuff. I know we got mm. we got knocked out. I know we fell just a little bit short, and we got you know we got knocked out of the cup by Arsenal after replaying Dave Seaman saving three of our five penalties. I remember
0: I watched them um, earlier, so I was gonna ask yeah, you about um, so like, Yeah, so it's like
1: yeah, so it's one of those that you know we we played some good stuff, as you say. When you think about modern modern football coaching, and you mentioned you know previously about Mick asking Alec Ray to play on the right side of a diamond, for me for me that's genius. When I was when I was managing at Hartlepool, I I, I played a diamond because I feel it's a, it's a really good formation. So it's a, it's 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 finding the right people to do things. So, but yeah, I mean we played some good football. Um, we had a few. Like you say we had a few live games on the telly. Um, I got a bit of recognition, a couple of man of the matches on them games. From I think Theo Foley was the uh, was the was the was the guy who was the pundit at the time. So so that was nice, and you, you, again adds to that little bit of recognition that you're gaining. We have we have some really really good fixtures against Arsenal again, which elevates our status. But unfortunately, we we, we fell just that little bit short. Um, you know, I think I think we finished seventh and. I know. I know we weren't in danger of getting into the, the playoffs, but you know we, we were the next best, and it was just a shame that we didn't really have that little bit extra just to just to push because you know we, we were at, we were a decent side to finish seventh in the championship, and the championship doesn't change from then to now. Still a crazy league, um, yeah. when anybody can beat anybody proves that we weren't we weren't we weren't that far off. Eh? Armour to doors. Certainly nobody picked
0: him up.
2: I'll keep quiet. <laughs> well, that's certainly uh, cleared your point, Brian. They are going for goals. That's a great goal.
0: Absolutely great we Great header. Super goal. So, Theo, keep quiet. No, it was loads of goals that season. I think a big change would have been the formation of the partnership. John Goodman and Jamie Moreland and then Malcolm Allen just behind them. Mad Malcolm. you yeah. know. on. Yeah, Malcolm was a,
1: see, Malcolm was a really clever footballer, um, yeah. really clever footballer. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, he played for Wales and and, and, and had a fantastic career himself. Um, so Malcolm was a clever footballer. As you said, Jamie Morley came in. Jamie was like, you know, he was like, uh, like Willow the Wisp. He was everywhere. You know, he was a really, a really enthusiastic runner. And so, yeah, so, and yeah, we did, We like I say, we created, we were creative, Um like you saying, I had this conversation with, with Alec Ray just last week when we were chatting when I was down at Reading um, that, you know, about midfielders and, and having that instinct of, you know, danger as a midfield player, but also having that instinct of when's the right time to break forward and on the back shoulders of your, of your opponent and, and sneak into the box and score. And Alec was fabulous at that as well. I mean, Alec was a fantastic scorer of mm. spectacular goals as well, but he also had a really, really canny knack, so... Playing on the right side of a diamond actually give him more opportunity to, to sneak in on the back. And um, so yeah, we were we were all right. We were a decent team. We just we were just a little bit short of, of the better ones in the division,
0: unfortunately. You mentioned it uh, briefly. The FA, sorry, not the FA, the League Cup game against yeah. Arsenal. A little bit of for you of a taste of things to come, because he was going to move to the Premier League. I didn't even right play that night. Was he? <laughs> yeah.
1: So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when people ask me a question, which is when, when they mention about, you know, because obviously I was only a centre-half for, like I said, the last 15 years of my career. Um, and so when people mention it, Ian Wright for me was, 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 was the thing I think which sparked me into, can I actually, you know, how, how, good, how good can I be? Because mm-hmm. Wright's movement is phenomenal. His speed and strength is phenomenal. He's obviously really aggressive, but given half a chance in the right area, he scores. So when, I, when we did play against them and right he was playing, A, you've got to be completely switched on and concentrated because his movement is brilliant off your shoulder. If he gets half a yard on you, you can't catch him and he's going to score. So, so yeah, you're right. Um, not that it was ever in, in, in the thought process at that point, but when you're playing against people of that ilk and then you go on to play against really top-end strikers, um, it does, and at the time... That second season, when you we're playing against people like Andy Cole, again, who goes on and has a phenomenal career and his movement and his speed and his finishing ability when he was at Bristol City. Um, you know, it, again, absolutely phenomenal. So, but yeah, I mean, uh, thankfully I've 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 become um over the years, uh, you know, Ian Wright and myself have, have had some some decent um some decent competitions. We became friends. Um, so every time we do see each other around and about, still have good crack and And as I say, he was, alongside Alan Shearer, he was probably the two best strikers, English strikers of my generation. You know, one for sheer power, pace, speed, strength, but righty, what they both were. They were capable of looking after themselves. So if I tried to kick them, happily happily go into a fight um, and to try and stop them would probably be, trying to kick them was probably the only way I could stop them. Um, (laughs) But they were both phenomenal finishers, phenomenal movement. And like I say, you give them half a yard and bang, it's a goal. So, so yeah, it was, it was an eye-opener for sure. But one that, you're right, stood me in good stead um, moving, moving forward into my in, career after that.
0: Makes me uh, laugh if Ian right, because, obviously, we, we played him that year and then we played him a couple of times in the FA Cup, 94, 95, 95, 96. He has a bit of a ding-dong with Casey Keller. He's getting serious grief from our fans. And then a few years ago, he did the thing, it was the Watford game where we beat him 1-0 in the FA Cup. And he says, oh, yeah, I grew up around here. I'm a Millwall fan now. He's a hero now because he. he yes. Yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, you know, he, he again, he, he, you you kind of
1: you kind of again. I, I always had that the, the the things that the strikers I played against. You know, I, again, I would I would go to war with anybody, knowing full well, if I'm brutally honest, you know, and I, I kind of did realize at certain points in my career that you, I'm prepared to go to war with anybody because sometimes going to war with them is the only way. But with the likes of Shearer and Righty, and there was others, of course. But they're the two that stand out in my mind that would quite happily go to war, but then would take you the other way and, and score goals and, and two phenomenal strikers. But Wrighty obviously had that real, that real edge, that real you know that real aggressive edge as well. You know he would he would happily hurt you, happily score and
0: happily rub it right in your face. <laughs> well, we've spoken about strikers. They speak about your central defence partner, which I believe is a real legend, Keith Stevens. What was he yeah. like, Wino? To be fair, I have to say, when, when, people, give,
1: when people give people legend status, sometimes I, I, I'm honest that I, I feel as though it's not, it's not deserved. Yeah. For Rhino, it's 100% deserved. Uh, a More dedicated. Listen, we, me and I was, having Alec, I was having conversations with Alec Ray about this, only, like I say, only in the, in the time that I've been spending with them down at Reading. You know, people like Rhino deserve that status. I mean, we, we, had, we had some good times and we had some fun, but, dedicated, hard as nails, got the best out of himself in every inch he possibly could. was never going to be the quickest, Mm. but would always be very, very competitive, was a leader, was respected in the dressing room and a harder footballer I've yet to meet on a football pitch. Someone, and I know you had Terry, Terry who I never played with Terry, but I know Terry was uh, in that kind of ilk as well, but a harder footballer I've never met in my career. A harder football, a hard working, but a genuine nice guy. And he, he was one of the ones that when I came into the dressing room, and there was a few northerners at the time, you know, the likes of myself, Aidan Davison, Ian Bogey, Paul Stevenson. You know, we had, a few, we had a few northerners in the dressing room at that time. But Rhino was always one that you felt as though you had to impress. Um, yeah. Because, you, again, you go back to what you actually have to do in order to To give yourself any credit with Millwall fans, Rhino epitomized everything. You know, he got every inch of everything out of himself. Um, so yeah, for for me, to play alongside him that season was a was a was an absolute joy because if you get into a pickle, no one, no one, no one's arguing with Rhino. If you 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 know he can, you know, whatever people may think about the perception of Rhino, he was hard as nails, but he could play, Mm. he was brave. And like I say, you're never going to be the quickest. So he has to be, he has to be switched on and, and thinking ahead of the game in order not to get done by pace, which he was very, very good at. So, no, nothing, nothing but the highest regard for Rhino. And, and as I say, he was one that I was more than happy to try and gain some kind of level of respect for because mm-hmm. legendary status is, 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 is earned and he definitely
0: earned it. I think that, you know, obviously we know his fans, he well, was like on the pitch and he was a one-club man. I think speaking to the ex-players like yourself, the feeling you really get is like he was a great captain off the pitch as well. right? Like, you know, away from the football and away from the pitch. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, well, listen, back in, back in the day and again, you know, people give, people give modern day footballers, a, you know, a bit of grief about whatever they want to give them a bit of a grief about. But we, we were able to have a bit of fun. And we, I, I say fun in, in the nicest terms about, about camaraderie, team spirit. In in our day and, and the generation before, team spirit and camaraderie were, were probably earned in the pub. Yeah. So, you know, and we did spend a bit of time. We did spend a bit of time in the pub. But again, at the right time, you know, you work hard. We would play hard of a Tuesday afternoon or whatever um, after after a hard training session. Strangely enough. Yeah, str- <laughs> Strangely enough, I couldn't remember the name of it, but Alec could. Yeah. And, <laughs> And, uh, and Alex has Alex Alex been sober for 20 years, so, so it just shows his, his memories absolutely spot on. I couldn't remember the name of the pub, but you're dead right. When he told me, I went, oh, yeah, was it? <laughs> but, yeah, but people like Rhino and, and like I say, Alan Mack, um, you know, people like that. Uh, yeah, I think you've got, you've got to have, and, again, because I had it at Middlesbrough, if you like, you've got to have people in the dressing room that, that have that core of, of, of Millwall, if you know what I mean. So in order to gain respect, in it, you'd have to show that you were you you were prepared to, you were prepared to go to war. Mm. You were prepared to you, you know like I say. People's perceptions of Rhino's that it was just hitting hard and, but not Rhino could play. Rhino could play and on and off the pitch, he was a great man. And like I say, we, we had we spent some time together. We all we all had a bit of fun at the right time and and through them times, you know, like you say, he, he was a. In my opinion, he was he was a. He was one of the best captains I played with, actually. Um, and like I say, I've captained every, time I've, every team I've played for. But the people that I've played under and captains that I've played under, when you talk about people that have something within their core, you know, I had it with Stuart Pierce at, New, at uh, Nottingham Forest. Definitely had it with Raynor um, when I was at Millwall for sure.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's good to hear, man. It's not, no surprise everyone spoke so highly of him. So we've skipped we're leading on to one thing and we skipped another, which was my fault. But they're related. <laughs> Your last ever Mill game and your first ever Mill game because your debut, I believe, was against Middlesbrough. What was your yeah. reaction when the fixtures came out? Oh, fuck. yeah, well.
1: <laughs> and and as I say, for, purely for the reason that um, you know I'd been at Middlesbrough since I was yes, like I said, since I was thirteen. So by twenty-four, you know, eleven years, but I'd been been in around the first team for seven years, if you like. So then, formative years. Um, Yeah, Mike. And as I said, the the one thing I always say to the Middlesbrough fans, you know, when I I went back um, is that if I hadn't have left Middlesbrough when I was 24, my career would not have, I I would not have had the career. I had to, I I believe in my heart and soul that I had to go away and prove myself somewhere else uh, in order to feel like a proper footballer again. And when I went back, yeah, obviously on on day one. I mean, obviously they were pleased because they beat us one nil, I think, and I think Robbie Musto scored. Um, it was Aaron Park that would have be, been, wouldn't it? Yeah, and uh, it was either Robbie Musto and and yeah, I think Stuart Ripley skipped past me and crossed, and I think Robbie Musto might have scored, who'd just come in from Oxford at Middlesbrough. So so yeah, I think that the punters, obviously, I got I got I got a hide from the supporters. You know, you you've left the club, you join the club. You, your first game back at that club is against your former club. It can go one or two ways. Um, and uh, thankfully, you know, it's one thing I said to Alec day. I've never played against Millwall in a competitive fixture since I left. Luckily. Yeah, but well, no, well, maybe so. Because no, Alex no, said, no, when he left, um, and he said the first time he went back, I think he was playing for Sunderland, and he said he got, he got dog's abuse. And I said, well, in, in my memory, and I, I think I'm, I've never, because obviously we moved to the New Den in the summer that I left. I've, I've never played a competitive fixture at the New Den. I've never played at the New Den until I played in the charity matches, which the fans had for uh, you know for my son, so so it was amazing, really amazing to um, amazing. It's always amazing to go back because, like I said, I never,
0: even though we were, we were moving to that ground in that summer, I've yeah. never actually played a competitive fixture there, which is a shame. Moving on to your final ever game for me, which would have been the last ever game at the Den. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, and it, like I said, it was it was one of those that unfortunately we knew. That we weren't going to be able to get into the playoffs, and but I think none of us, none of us knew what the summer held. Um, you know, there'd been a lot of talk because again, we'd had a good season, we'd had some recognition um, individually and collectively, um, and just fallen short. Um, so yeah, the, the the summer should be in your mind. It's it's like a, a you should be excited because it wouldn't take an awful lot for us to be in with a shout. For next season, really.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but things, things like that,
0: unfortunately,
1: happen, and, and things change.
0: Yeah. What was your memories of that last night? at the dinner? I mean, Casey Keller came on the show. He talked. Obviously, he got stuck at the far end. He, he said he did. got back to the dressing room in literally just his pants. <laughs> he
1: did. And we, we remember because we know we knew for a fact, like you said, <laughs> Casey. Yeah, we remember Casey getting because we. I think we were all uh, we were all wondering where he was. the uh, sat in the dressing room, but no. Um, no, I have to. I have to be brutally honest. I, I got down the tunnel pretty sharpish, not not for any other reason other than you know we just saw everybody ready to go, and I just think we all we all just thought exactly that. If we don't if we don't get down the tunnel sharpish, we're going to be out here. We're going to be out here for hours. So so no, we're you're gonna, right. I remember get, when Casey. I remember when Casey came back in the dressing room and just his pants
0: and all, We were all just sat there, just <laughs> and it was a, quite a funny moment to say the least. If we don't get down this, uh, this change of room quick, pretty quick, we're going to get caseed. Ended up in our pants, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think. Casey was thinking that. After, I think Casey was thinking after punters were coming down the tunnel with him, even even in the even in his pants.
0: Brilliant. So you spoke about obviously you left the club then in that summer. Um, you spoke, Mick. You know, handled it really, really well. And this is what I said before we went and started the show. Usually, this is the point where you go, well, your contract ran out and blah blah blah. But obviously, you went on to the Premier League, not in a forest, one point seven million pound. Which was a lot of money for in, in the footsteps of Teddy Sheridan, who'd left the point, yeah. think, two years before
1: yeah, exactly, yeah, and obviously Teddy had yeah yeah obviously Teddy left, yeah left left Forest when I did to go to Manu, and I was to Tottenham, I forget, um but yeah, so literally I came into Millwall when Teddy had just left, and then I went into forest as Teddy's just left as well, so <laughs> I never actually I never actually got to play with Teddy, and you know we had some. Good ding-dongs over the years as, as players playing against each other. But, uh, yeah, he'd, he'd have been one, I think, for sure. Again, if you take a little step back, if te- if we'd had Teddy in the team, as good as Mally Allen was, if we'd have had someone like a Teddy Sheringham in the team creating create and score, we would we, have probably been a bit closer to the playoffs
0: than we ended up in the end. Yeah, well, listen, you had a fantastic career, over 600 appearances. So don't worry, I'm not going to make you talk us through the forest and then back to Borough. But, yeah, I just want to talk a little bit, obviously, about post-playing did a bit of coaching, did a bit of managing. You ended up um, as part of Gareth Southgate's under twenty one team.
1: Yeah, well, it's 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 again things happen. Um, so when I went back to Middlesbrough and I, you know, thirty one um, from Forest, um, it was kind of, you know, I got to I got to thirty five, and then it's kind of, you know, um, at the time, you know, Brian Robson took me back and. You know, and I, I kind of, I kind of knew that I wanted to do something to. I don't, I think, give back sounds a bit cliched, but I knew that when I was a kid, and when I was a young player at Middlesbrough, anybody who, any of the older players who had a vested interest in me as a person, they would come and put their arm around do you, have a chat with you, just how are you doing? Is there anything that you need help with? Blah blah blah. <clears throat> Always for me resonated. Mm. So when I became that player. When I when I went back to Middlesbrough, I always had a I always had a thing for any of the any of the younger players that came into the first team squad. Excuse me, I would always try and make sure they're okay, feel comfortable. Is there anything that we can do to help you? Um, so it felt it felt natural to. As soon as I finished, um, really competitively playing. I mean, I, I didn't retire; I was thirty nine, but really competitively, I wasn't. I probably wasn't playing from 37 Mm. um but the 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 club itself had said you know we want to I was still fit I was still part of Steve McLaren's squad even though I didn't play very regularly um I was always there ready and 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 I would spend my time the afternoons I would spend working with Dave Parnaby in the youth team then I would start on my coaching qualifications and me and Gareth and obviously Gareth um got kind of thrust into the manager's job um after the uh, UEFA Cup final in Eindhoven when Steve McLaren left to go to England. So Gareth became the manager and, um, and basically at that point, I was the under-18 coach at Middlesbrough um, looking after the youth team. Mm. When Gareth got the manager's job, we'd obviously, we'd, again, going back to, to mates, you know, we'd, we'd been mates first and foremost. We'd been in the dressing room. We, were both, we both went on our coaching journey together. You know, we started with our A licence and went through to our pro licence. We did that together. Um, and when, when he got offered the manager's job at Middlesbrough, he said, you know, we're both very inexperienced. He said, I need to get on with this. And, <clears throat> and he had Malcolm Crosby with him at the time, who was a good man, uh, still is a good man and a very good coach. He said, you need to continue with your coaching. So I moved up to the, the reserve stroke in the 23 group, as it would be now. Um, and worked in that for six months and then by the Christmas I was working in the first team set up with Gareth anyway um, you know just because he felt as though he needed me we had one brilliant season and then unfortunately Middlesbrough got relegated the year after um, and and you know I left Middlesbrough when Gordon Strachan came in after Gareth I left in the summer of I think it was 2008 2009 maybe um, and yeah, so basically, uh, in that period, you know, I then, I was assistant manager at Bradford City. I <coughs> um, had a short spell, well, I had a spell back at Middlesbrough again. Got my shot as a manager at Hartlepool. And then after I left Hartlepool in 2014, you know, I was out of football for 18 months. Um, and then the FA were changing. Um, Gareth had gone in to the FA as a, like, um, to work under Sir Trevor Brookin. He wasn't one of the national coaches. He was, he was, uh, he was working alongside Trevor Brookin, um, Sir so Trevor Brookin, and, and gaining some experience. Um, and as you say, then there was a point where Gareth was appointed uh, under-21 head coach. Mm. And, you know, they, had a, they, had a, they failed to qualify out of the group in 2015 for the under-21 Euros. Um, and then they decided, the FA decided they were going to do a restructure um, as in they were going to um they were going to split the game into in possession out of possession and and transition and basically i was asked if i was interested applying for one of the positions um i did and um and yeah after after uh, the FA's rigorous interview process which it is thankfully i got i got a job um and originally it wasn't i wasn't working with gareth uh, originally i was appointed as um lead out of possession coach which meant Plotting how the England teams would look without the ball from under 15 all the way through to the senior team. At that point, they didn't have a connection really between the development process and the senior process. Um, and that, yes, yeah, so yeah, so then I was asked if I want, when I first went into the FA, Gareth said, do you want to come to the Toulon tournament in the south of France with me and Steve Holland um, as an assistant? Um, and I said, yeah, of course, it would be brilliant. So we went down to Toulon that year. And thankfully, that was the start of the England development process. It's their, their golden time, if you like, you know, from 2016 through to 2019, England, England development teams, one more, uh, you know, we had, um, we had under 17 Euro runners up. We had under 18 world champions. We had under 19 Euro winners. We had under 20 World Cup winners.
0: Mm-hmm
1: the under 21 team who I worked with uh, with Gareth and then on with Eddie Boothroyd we got knocked out in the semi-final of the euros in 2017 in poland um and for, against germany on penalties strangely enough and then won the so we won the Toulon tournament 3 years on the bounce so yeah it was a really really strong period for england development football but in that period um there was that changeover, you know, when Sam Allardyce got the England job and then didn't have the England job. Oh, yeah. And basically they put Gareth in as, as temporary charge. Um, and Eddie Boothroyd came from the under 20s to take over as head coach for the, in, in a temporary charge of the under 21s. And Gareth just, again, said, he said, you know, you, you need to stay with Eddie and the under 21s and stay with that group. And I need to get on with, with what I need to get on with Steve um, at the senior end. So, which was great, you know. I'd have loved to work with Gareth at the senior level, but you know, I had a really, I loved the the two and a half years I was at the FA. Um, you know, like I say, it was a brilliant period for in England, young England teams, um, winning tournaments that had never happened in the history. Um, so yeah, so it was a really, really good period. And and, and as I say, when I left in in twenty eighteen, it it wasn't it wasn't really. What i chose, i mean I was missing day to day football if I'm honest because at the f a you have a lot of time where you're kind of twiddling your thumbs or you're in conferences or you're doing you're doing various things um which which wasn't my nature, but when you're on camp with the with the group of players, uh, that's like being back in a football club and it's brilliant um so yeah i i didn't I didn't leave the f a um you know it was it was a it was a hard one to leave there really but as I say, on, on the back of that, you get other opportunities. But thankfully, I have to say, and what happened when obviously when Gareth accelerated up to the senior group is we had the development pathway. And obviously you see that, so at the very, when I was in the FA, you had Jude Bellingham, who was captain of the under-15s with, with Kevin Bexley, um, who was the head coach then. And now you see Jude Bellingham has gone through the pathway all the way to the senior team. Yeah, Purely and simply because he's a super talented young man but because that pathway is now there and I think, you know, we took an awful lot of, an awful lot of um, what Germany had been doing.
0: Yeah. We plopped, plopped,
1: yeah. We plotted a lot of the restructure around the pathways that the Germans had put in place. And obviously and Lowe coming from, um, you know, the youth development teams to be the senior manager and, mm. and bringing the players through that development pathway. And I think we had a lot to learn from the Germans um, and thankfully Just before I left, we had a a conversation with the German coaches and they were wanting to learn from us again. You know, what are you doing that we can learn from? And strangely enough, you know, because of that that kind of rivalry that everyone is is there without a shadow of a doubt, there's a lot of collaboration between both FAs to try and make football even better. So that's, yeah, yeah, it's really strong, really strong that, you know, there's a conference every couple of years to share ideas and share you know, again, just trying to make youth development better, trying to make young national teams better, which ultimately will make the senior team better, so I think you know, thankfully, I think thankfully for us as a nation, you know Gareth had had that structure there, yes we undoubtedly have some unbelievably talented players and we have some leaders, you know that we spoke about with people like Rhino you know, you've obviously got leaders within that dressing room, whether they wear the armband or not um, and like I say you look at the likes of you know, the lads who've come through, the Marcus Strasfords, the Jaden Sancho's, the Duke Bellingham's, the Phil Forden's, the et cetera, et cetera. And you can go on and on and on. And, and, it, and it's, it's been a really brilliant, it's a really brilliant treadmill that these lads have, have just been able to come through. Um, thing
0: our team's so good, but it's so young still, isn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. And and while we know that process still goes on, I mean, obviously the youth teams are not as prevalent in winning tournaments anymore. Um but the process is still in place. <clears throat> and obviously, there's been another restructure since I left, um, where they've kind of changed the structure around again to try and develop and help and improve. And as I say, you don't see the England youth teams winning major tournaments, unfortunately, at the moment, but you st- we're still producing decent players, thankfully.
0: It'd be nice to see the uh, first team win some. It's, um... Yeah,
1: well, <laughs> wait, let's let's be honest. In... You know, you go back as we all do. You go back to 1966. We've we now had two semi-finals and a final, so we we're we're edging, we're edging yeah. closer.
0: It's, um, I, I forgot he even managed the 21s. He's so prominent as the England manager now I yeah. forget he managed 21s. But yes, yeah, like you've had you've had a well, great listen. Team. At the end of the day, we
1: spoke about your ups and downs. Like I say, Gareth was was pretty much going to be hounded out of the under 21 job when when the team failed to qualify out the group in 2015 mm. in the in the uh, in the under 21 Euros. And then, like I say, one year later, um, a slightly different group of players then go and win to for the first time in 20 years, um, which is only a B grid, you know, you don't get the high level, you don't get the Brazilians that you know, the, the Italians, they don't they don't go, but you've still got to beat the Portuguese, the French, They were, you know. So we to win that tournament for the first time in 20 years was great. Um, and then as I say, that that period thereafter with these players coming through, you know, the likes of, like I said, Jude Bellingham playing at 15, and then you've got Phil Ford and Jaden Sancho and Mark Gooey who's now obviously come to prominence playing, it, playing in the under-17s, uh, Euros, which Steve Cooper was the head coach of. Mm. Um, and then you've got people like Dominic calvert Lewin, Tammy Abraham winning the under-20 World Cup in South Korea. So the the, the pathway is there, and, and, and thankfully for English football, and, and I say this hand on heart, not just because he's a mate, and, and not because we've had a lot, of, a lot of journey together through our coaching, et cetera, is that if Gareth hadn't been the senior team manager, if we'd have still kept cherry-picking someone from somewhere else, we, this wouldn't have happened. So mm. I think we have to, we have to think it was, a, it was a genius selection, even though Gareth thought he wasn't ready at the, at the time. Um, you know, he's obviously grown into it and has been the most successful England manager since Al Ramsey, so we're not too far off.
0: No, no, he's done really well. Good to be, like, to know you was part of it. It must be, like, something special, do you know what I mean?
1: No, great. As I say, when you, when you see the teams and, and obviously the coaches who are involved, and like you say, you've got someone like Steve Cooper, who's come from a completely youth development background yeah, no, um, yeah. at Liverpool, um, to go into the FA's setup, um, show himself as a, as a very exciting young coach with some really good ideas, and then do the jobs he's done at Swansea and at, at Forest. Um, it's amazing, you know, it just shows that, um, it just shows that, you know, the, the the selection of coaches and, you know, sometimes young coaches who haven't played football, who haven't played football at a certain level, yeah, don't, don't carry baggage, they don't carry baggage of failure and fear. and True, um, well,
0: on the flip side of that, when you got the job Cooper at Swansea, I, I think, hmm, well the players think, He's never played or what i think stick to the kids might sort of thing you know what i mean is it hard to, harder to get that respect in in a sense well yeah it it, it is because you don't yeah.
1: you don't have the kudos walking in the, in the front door for sure but you've yeah. got to earn it and you know the one thing i would say because of his links with the fa if you look at Swansea's first season because he had mike marsh with him who who worked with him with the under-17s and under-18s excellent, yeah yeah, yeah. excellent player so mike marsh was with him and mike again is a is an excellent coach i know he's not at forest with him. Um, which I didn't understand, but that's, you know, that's life. Um, but yeah, but they also drew on, so they had, uh, at the time, I think Mark Gooey went to, to Swansea, uh, Rean Brewster went to Swansea, so they, they, they brought in some top, top quality young, young footballers who were probably ready for championship football. Um, so as well as moulding the players into a style and, and, a, and, a, and a philosophy, um which was in Steve and Mike Marsh's kind of vision if you like they also have the ability to bring in some really top talent which you know which both give them some backbone and, and some good footballers to play from front to back and in people like Rian Bruce the people who can score at the drop of the hat So, it, it, yeah so the, he's done it i think he's done it really well steve um i think he's you know and, and and as i say because obviously i have a long association with Nottingham Forest as well it's nice it's nice to see them on the rise again because you know, again, it's one of the things I always say.
0: The I think, I think they're going up now. I think this this year.
1: Well, yeah, and they've. So I left. I left in the summer of ninety eight, um, when both Middlesbrough and Nottingham Forest had been promoted. We were promoted as champions, and Middlesbrough came second. Um, Nottingham Forest were were relegated the year after, and have not been back since. So it's it's a real shame for them. And and um, yeah, let fingers fingers crossed anyway. Well, yeah, you know, fing- Garrett, Yeah, you know. Really enjoyed working with him and Steve Holland in the FA setup, and I'm really, really chuffed that that's continued. You know, certainly in the years um, in the years after I, I left the FA.
0: Mm. Mate, I, I could talk to you all night, but I don't want <laughs> yeah, to. me too. So, well, um, I skipped over your England caps, which I'm, I apologise for. Yeah, two caps. I apologise. But um, we'll wrap it up with um, two questions. I Always end with meal related. If you could go out tomorrow. With three of your ex-teammates, your old Millwall teammates, game of golf, night out, whatever you want. Which three you picking?
1: Well, to be, I think it would depend on which way the night goes. <laughs> um, you know, if you're talking, if you're talking about we're going out for some, uh, if we're going out for something sensible, then not sensible because I think the lads that we played with, we, I don't think we did much sensible. We we had a right, we had a, we, no, we did. We had, like I said, even though we were all. Either young families, fathers. We, we had we had a good laugh. Uh, I've always kept in touch with Alex, and and as I say, I've just reconnected with Alex recently, over at Redding. I've been doing a bit of work with him and Paul, so Alex would definitely be there. Now, would it would it be Alex uh, of of two thousand of twenty twenty two, or would it be Alex of nineteen ninety two? That would be the question. Alex would definitely tell me it would definitely be twenty twenty two and not ninety two. You um, to be too we so all recognized <laughs> that we, we, we had we had some fun and Alec was Alec was always front and center um but as I say he's uh, he's, a, he's a very different man to what he was in in 1992 so Alex would definitely be amongst it if you're talking for Shia uh, Rhino would be there for sure um you know because we had we had some good times um and the third one would be a difficult one because you could go you could go someone like Malcolm Allen again who would do anything for for a laugh. And him and Alec Reid bounced off each other like nobody's business back in the day. It would be, it could be somebody like a John McGinley, who again is a, is a crazy Scotsman, who would, you know, you, you'd have, definitely have a good laugh. Somebody like an Aiden Davidson, who's a big daft Jody goalkeeper, who's nuts. Full stop. He's been on the um, show, Aiden. Right yeah, he's been. Um, brilliant, but again, if you think of Aiden Davidson 1992 to Aiden Davidson 2022, again, two completely different people. Yeah. Um but we all we all change, we all get older. So yeah, I would I would suggest that um yeah, I would suggest that Alec Ray, Keith Stevens and Ed Davidson would be the three I would choose. Brilliant. But then it, if if I'm in, if I'm allowed, I'd obviously take Nick with as well. Because Mick, you know, Mick was Mick was both a friend, a manager and a player. And uh, yeah, I'm sure I'd enjoy a game of golf with Nick, but not maybe not the other side. Do you
0: know, do you know what I heard him on the Mill official podcast that like the club have got an official um, like podcast and Mick was on it and he was great value. Like he was swearing and the stories he was coming.
1: Mick, he's, a, he's a brilliant bloke. I mean, we you know we we've said many times you know the the, the times that we had with Mick. Um, you know, and, and again, this is not disrespect to Bruce, but we just I think Mick Mick basically got Millwall because he was as tough as he was. You know, he was as tough as he was as tough as a docker. He was he was hard as nails. But again, he was he was a footballer. You know, if you think about Mick McCarthy's career. It's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Played at home and abroad. Obviously, played in World Cups with the Republic, managed the Republic. Absolutely phenomenal football career, Mick had. And and thankfully, again, he's another one that even after all these years, we still pick up the phone occasionally say hello. And he's just a just a, an absolute diamond of a fella. So um, so yeah, if, yeah, for for catching up purposes and 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 Some good honest open conversation, Mick would Mick would be amongst it. But if we're just going back to 1992, it would be a toss-up, it would be a hard toss-up between Aidan Davison and Malcolm Allen, but it would definitely be Alec and, and Rhino.
0: <laughs> Brilliant, mate. And if you could pick one standout memory from your time at the club, would it be? Yeah, yeah,
1: really difficult, actually. I mean, again, if you if you think about um, and I think the, the memory bit is is the is the hard one for me. It's like you say, you know, I look back and, and if you think about yeah, like you say, over six hundred league appearances and seven hundred yeah. nods, and trying, trying to pick out things. I, I think you know it, it's always so. It's always nice to score against your old club, which I managed to do against Middlesbrough one time at the Den. Um, again, with a nice free kick against Kevin Poole, who was who was like an ex-teammate. Um, I think, I think in in on the whole, I think the experience that I gained more than anything. Again, you know, remember when I said yeah. to you back earlier. I had to I had to go and rediscover myself as a footballer, really, and to be given that opportunity. So the memory would be the people that I met, um, and when I came back down to the club for the Middlesbrough game only a few weeks ago, the people that came over to say hello, who have been associated with the club in all the time that I've been away, and were with the club then, I think it's more I think it's more a case of the two years could have been ten years because here we fitted a lot into the two years but also the the memories that were created. And and as I say, on the back of, you know, the tragedy that my family um, went through the Millwall fans for only having been at the football club for two years, the Millwall fans were there 100%. You know, they couldn't wait to do things. It was the first place that um, it was the first place I went uh, because they were the first group of people that got together to try and show show a bit of love and to try and raise money for for the charity that we were starting so I think rather than in memory it would just be the fact that Millwall Millwall even though I was only there for two years that the people have always had a really kind word really warm welcome and reception when I come back and they were there when I needed them
0: that's brilliant mate it's really good and say um you little boy your charity you started up do you wouldn't you still going with that
1: no, no, we uh, because uh, because you know unfortunately um, Finley would be twenty two now, um, so no, we 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 closed the charity down uh, in twenty nineteen because he'd have been an adult, um, and we were raising money for children's charities because obviously he was only a baby when, when we when we lost him. So so no, we we closed it down after twelve years. Um, we raised almost three quarters of a million quid and give it away at the children's charity. So we just feel as though the legacy in his name was done and um, and yeah because he would have been an adult when we closed it we just felt it, it, it had a it had a quite a poignant end really so yeah, but as I say
0: the Millwall fans were unbelievable through that time and I'd never be able to thank them enough that's brilliant mate there will be plenty watching this hopefully for me <laughs> 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 it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on mate I really enjoyed your time thanks so much my pleasure
1: absolute pleasure in, uh, in, and nice. as I say it's it's uh, even for two years, it's always a club that I hold very close to my heart.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh